Namaste, everyone, and welcome to the Jai Bhakti Yoga podcast, where we share information on all things yoga, Ayurveda, and well-being lifestyle. I am excited to share these resources, insights, interviews, and so much more as we grow together on this wonderful journey of well-being. I am your host, Christina Andrini, founder of Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation and JBYU School of Yoga and Ayurveda. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our blog on Tumblr, as well as to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all the fun social media channels where we share some of the tips and insights and resources from our podcast and vice versa on here. Now let's go ahead and begin with today's episode. Hello and good day, everyone. Today we are going to be discussing the uh, understanding the four levels of the intellect. So in today's session, for those of you joining us, welcome. These topics layer on top of one another, so each time you can go back and listen to the live podcast broadcasted, but today we are going to be talking about a little bit more abstract of a concept, so it might be harder to wrap your head around it, but that's okay. We're going to dive in, we're going to break it down, and we're going to make it easy enough so that you can understand it from a holistic concept. If it's still a little bit too much, I am super happy to break it down even further for you, and we'll chat about it in the following episode. But today, we are going to be talking about and understanding the four levels of of the intellect. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'm super happy to see you joining me this morning. Good morning, Stefan. Good morning, Guiding Destiny. And good morning, everyone else that will be watching the replay as well. So to begin, this blog will be going up later this afternoon so that you can read through the material. There is a lot to take in, a lot to dive into, and a lot to explore. And this is all to help you attain your wholeness, as well as to help you understand that you are more powerful than you realize and stronger than you think. And that's the key word is thinking. And so to no surprise, we experience the many facets of life. We, we have experienced them through our relationships. We experience them through new beginnings, through the closing of and the ending of other circumstances in our lives. And the end of something is truly the beginning of something new. Sometimes we get stuck in this mindset that it's holding us back from moving towards our higher potential. But really what that is, is that we're holding ourselves back from moving forward into our higher potential because we're stuck in some sort of a samskara or some sort of a pattern. And so in order to under overcome this, we all come um, with our respective resolutions. And at times there could be great joy during these resolutions. At times there's some sorrow, at times there's some confusion, and other times it's a pretty big sigh of relief. 
And so to understand the process, we want to go through what are these four key pillars. Understanding the process will continue to help move us on and appreciate these teachings, these lessons, and what we call the blessings, the blessings and the lessons within each of these experiences. While others might remain trapped in what we call the samskaras or the patterns of confusion, I want to also clarify that in Ayurveda, that word that we say being stuck or the samskaras is really known as the um, pragya aparad. And you hear me say this all the time, pragya aparad. But understanding that when we're remaining trapped in this confusion or this ignorance of the intellect, it's truly holding us back from our highest potential. So good morning, Mark. Good morning, my friends. Good morning, Exony Works 50. And of course, Stefan, so happy to have you all here with me this morning. And so we'll be going over the five kleshas. But before we enter the five kleshas, I'm going to give you straight to the point of what the four pillars of understanding the four levels of intellect are. And these are one is your mind. So of course, you can grab a pen and paper and you can write them down or you can watch this later and take it all in at your own convenience. But in order to understand what the kleshas are and how we're going to navigate our surface level of being, we're going to dis discover what the four are of our mindset. And that is the mind. When it creates the thoughts, we call it the mama. And the mana, or I'm sorry, the mama, the mana, the mana is what we call in Hindi, the mind. That is the pure being. It is where we begin our thought process. It all stems from the pure unified field of consciousness, and that begins in the mind. And in the intellect, we call this as its analytical form. It decides, we call it the buddhi, and this is where the intellect level, the heart chakra level manifests in and of itself. We follow that with the chit, the chitta. There's chit and there's chitta, and we're speaking about chitta. And chitta, it gets the attachment, attachment to an object or to a person. And when we call this the chitta because of the attachment, this is all going to make sense when we start talking about the five kleshas, the five kleshas. And then lastly, we have the ego. The ego is a good thing and it's also a bad thing. The ego is the identity of one's pure being of who they are in the manifest form. So it takes us from the unmanifest to the manifest and how we are working through our dharma, how we are experiencing it, how we are sharing it, what is our purpose and how we are able to give ourselves to our communities as well as to those that we love, our families. It is what we're working our, ourselves through with the calling that we have. That would be the ego from the identity form. And then there's also the ego, which is edging God out. This is the one that holds us back from fully embodying our fullest potential. This is the ego that we call more rajastic, and we're going to get to that now. But the four pillars begin with understanding our mind, 
understanding our intellect, understanding our chitta, and understanding our ego self. And so how do we do that? Well, we begin with understanding what are these kleshas, what are these pragya aparads, the ignorance of the intellect or the blockages that we are creating. And those blockages that we're creating start with in yoga. So for those of you that practice yoga, those of you that are yoga teachers, please do use this information for your students. And those of you that are new to the yoga world or understanding how to navigate using yoga as a methodology to come into your higher states of consciousness, then these you're going to want to know and understand. Now, avidya we're going to begin here. And this is known as the Avidya tree when you come to uh, the yoga teacher trainings that our communities offer to include mine. And we go through these kleshas. These kleshas are known to be where we are holding ourselves back from growth. And it starts from the surface level of our intellect, of our mind. So remember the four pillars, now they're gonna weave them way. And weaving is what we call sutras. So when you come to teacher trainings and you hear the word sutras or the yoga sutras, these are the values of who we are, through manifest form that come into the words that weave together our conscious being from the unmanifest to the manifest, the, the flesh of who we are, okay? Avidya is when the mind fails to see itself or it fails to see the Atman. And we utilize the word Atman as the highest self, the, the big self, the capital S. You hear me talk about this all the time, the capital S, okay? So avidya is when the mind, this is the first layer, the surface layer, okay? When the mind in and of itself, it fails to see beyond the depth. It fails to, it only stays up here. It doesn't see everything else that's creating this top portion of this flower. It only sees where maybe the dirt is. It doesn't want to go beyond this. It wants to see everything above it. It wants to see the sun, the air, all the elements that is affecting the top part, but it's not understanding what's going on beneath the surface. This is a vidya. It's seeing everything else that's above it, but not seeing the root cause of anything. And that is also holding you back from creating proper relationships with yourself or proper relationships with the people around your circle, the people that are empowering you or giving yourself the strength to let go of the people that are not empowering you anymore. And Avidya, Avidya is what keeps you in that space of remove, not allowing yourself to move forward. That would be Avidya. It's seeing, it's not letting you see the Atman, the true self within. And then there's Ashmita, which lends itself into the Avidya. So Ashmita is the ego. That's what it literally means in Sanskrit, ego. And so it's that belief that we are separate from our own individuality. That individuality is the higher state of our being. And so when we are attached to maybe a more what we call, I guess for lack of a better word, we might use the term narcissistic. So you're just remaining in this, I can do it on my own phase, or do you say these things to yourself, but then it creates overwhelm. That would be Ashmita. So again, Ashmita is the second layer of Avidya. Avidya is the surface level 
of our thought. And then exactly Lotus Mudra, it's a really beautiful reminder and a good practice to instill. And so when we are on the surface level, we want to remember that there's a lot more to ourselves. And when we see the Ashmita, we're identifying ourselves with the other side of the ego. We're not identifying ourselves with the wholeness of our ego. So for example, I'm a yoga teacher. So then I will only attach myself to what a yoga teacher does, what they're maybe supposed to be like, what they're supposed to contribute, but I'm not going past what the wholeness of a yoga teacher encompasses, the compassion of the yoga teacher to the self, to the highest self, to the Dharma. What are we going to share with the community? And again, what are we sharing with our wholeness, with ourself? And so when we are in that intellect level, this would be that intellect level of the four pillars, then again, we're staying above the surface, we're still not going beneath the surface. We're attaching ourselves to the external circumstances of the identity self, and we're not going into the breadth of what all of this encompasses for the yoga educator or the yoga teacher, the one that is uniting, that's what yoga means, to yoke and to unify everything that creates the essence of one's being and what we come into these higher states. This will then lead itself into what we call raga. And the raga is when our mind begins to attach itself to those things that we like and the things that we're attracted to. And it really keeps us from seeing somebody else's perspective because we get locked into a paradigm, ragas. Ragas will get you locked into a paradigm. So you have your mind, which is the avidya, which doesn't see the fullness of the Atman, doesn't see all of everything. It only sees the surface level. Then you have the Ashmita, which is the ego, which is becoming um, attached in the sense of what the identity is, what the hat is that you're wearing. And it doesn't see the individual as a separate. It doesn't it doesn't acknowledge this known, the knower, and the object of knowing. And so it just remains in the known. And then it will take itself into the attachment of what that is. And that is what we call raga. And so in raga, we're attached to things that we like. And we attach ourselves to what that would be instead of letting ourselves be compassionate to what other perspectives are. We're just really creating that one paradigm. It almost becomes social and legal legalistic and gives no wiggle room for growth. That then will turn itself into what we call devesha. And devesha is when our mind is rejecting, it's rejecting all the things that we don't like. So it will be more attached to what and gravitate naturally to what we enjoy, the pleasures and, and those desires that we enjoy versus being able to be okay with uncomfortable situations. And so it will tend to steer our way and um, really be averse to the things that we may not like. But keep in mind that the things that we may not like might be the opportunity for you to discover something of growth. Sometimes we need to find comfort in the discomfort. For example, if you're doing a yoga practice and you're taking a class with um, myself or Mark or one of our community leaders and they're doing a pose that might be a little bit more challenging for you and you enter into the pose and you are holding the space, 
But then all of a sudden, the body begins to kind of contract a little bit, especially we find this in yin yoga. So in yin yoga, we hold the poses for up to about five minutes. Now, it could be very, very comfortable in the beginning. Oh, I got this. I can do this. Super easy, steezy. But then after that first minute, the body starts to kind of contract. It starts to give you some information. This is where you want to discover for yourself if it's if it's really, really painful or if it's actually the discomfort that you're experiencing and you can actually remain there for a little bit longer. If you can remain there for a little bit longer and it's not causing severe sharp pains or anything of the sort like that, then you're going into that space of learning how to let go. So you're facing the divesha and you're entering into the discomfort Yin yoga gives you the opportunity to break down and see where you're fighting the discomfort. What is the root cause of that? And then being able to ease into it with pranayama, with your breath, so that you're able to find comfort within the discomfort. That in and of itself will give you some more wiggle room for you to have more potential to grow. If not, and you come out of the pose quickly, then what ends up happening is that you build up what is called abhinavisha, fear. Fear of going into the spaces that will give you more opportunity to reveal the true essence of your potential, your full potentiality. Abhinavisha, in its complete essence of what it means, is described as fear that comes from believing the mind's constructs of who we are and this is basically where we have to survive because we're afraid of death. Death in its figurative form, the fear of aging, the fear of dying, the fear of dying to one's old self so that you can be renewed into your new self. When we begin to understand these four pillars of our mind layered with the five kleshas we soon start to utilize the yoga practice and meditation as a way of navigating these constructs that go from, and this is the interesting point, kind of in a way it's its own irony, because the vidya goes deep to its root, which is the abhinavisha. So in and of itself, it roots itself within itself in its own ignorance of the intellect, which we call the pragya aparad. And when we utilize the Kriya Yoga, the yoga of action, we start to move upwards into the space of the finite to from the infinite to the finite form. And we're able to see ourselves in our full potentiality when we start to break down the constructs of the mind going one step at a time. So we start to look at ourselves as not the yoga teacher, not the mother, not the sister, the brother, and etc. We start to see ourselves as the fullness of what each of those roles encompass. And that helps us to grow into the higher states of consciousness. Why? Because we're able to then at this point in time, be able to connect kind of like a sound vibration connect in all of its different wavelengths to everything around us by breaking down our fears 
by breaking down those constructs, by breaking down the attachments, by no longer having resistance to something new or some sort of aversion, by being able to see it from the heart level as a whole, and also by being able to understand it now from the mind's perspective. This in and of itself would be known as the high road and the low road, how we respond and how we react. When we take the higher road, we're taking the more, um, we're taking the, the way that we are responding. If we take the low road, we are taking the form of reacting. When we come into our meditation, when we come into our yoga practice, it's taking, it's giving us the opportunity to take some slow down time. And this will give you a moment to, oh, this thing happened the other day, or this thing just happened. This is how I reacted. And then it gives you the compassion to get into that space of discomfort, to humble oneself, to seek forgiveness if you reacted versus responded. Now, this happens to be part of what we call fighting the ego. So when we become humble and we allow ourselves to sit in a space of discomfort, which technically a lot of the times is asking for forgiveness or owning what we did, then we begin to grow. If we are deciding that we don't want to ask for forgiveness and we're making a conscious choice to remain in that same stuck pattern and we're, and I'm only using forgiveness as kind of just a general layer because there's so many more things that we experience on a daily that we can actually transition and translate in in different terminology. But forgiveness is one that we find a lot of challenge with because sometimes we chat, we have a conversation, we may say something that's offensive, we may say something based out of our own intellect, and because of that, we find it a little bit difficult to seek that. And so when we're facing these different levels of our intellect and we go through the kleshas, we begin to discover as a whole how important it is for our own growth to forgive and then forget and move forward. And we'll chat about that on another episode. But knowing what those four pillars are, the four levels of intellect, I'll go over them one more time with you in order to be able to use it as a friend. And it is important to understand your mind's nature and how our mind operates on these four levels. Quickly, it's the mind. And when it creates thoughts, this creates the mana. And also think about it in Manamaya Kosha, for those of you understanding the, um, the koshas in and of themselves, this is the mind. And then intellect is when it analyzes and it decides, this would be the buddhi. So you're beginning to uh, understand if say, for example, you're looking at a flower, you are seeing the object of knowing, you being the knower, and then there's the process of knowing. So you have the object referral. So this is how we make decisions. This is how we see things. If there's a situation that presents itself, how are we responding versus reacting? This comes in the space of the intellect. And then we move into the space of the chitta. The chitta is when it gets attached to an object or a person, this is when we call it the chitta. And so we're attached to the flower. We observe it, we know it to be a flower, and we are now connected to the flower and you are attached to what this term is. If you're in meditation and you are mantra becomes a flower, 
then your mind goes to seeing just a flower. If you're in meditation and your mind goes to a bija mudra or a bija, then you would be thinking of a seed mudra. It would be ram or ram or vam. There is no attachment. It just is. It is just a sound. And that helps you to navigate and steer the course without attaching to the object referral. So you're able to be more compassionate within your higher states of growth. And then lastly, it's coming into the ego. And remember, we talked about the ego in two of its forms. When it identifies with the body, um, the bodily identifications, this becomes like the proud thoughts, this is the role. So these are the things like wealth, status, beauty, learning. Um, we call it the, um, the anhakar, and this would be the ego self, the identity. We allow ourselves to understand that there's the identity and we allow ourselves to understand that there's much more wholeness when we grow from the identity. We are no longer the role of who we are. We are the essence of who we are becoming. That is really important to take away. The essence of who you are becoming. It's not where you are at at the surface level. Remember the avidya, the mind level. You are growing into the totality of your full potentiality in this space. Understanding the ego, we use um, the, there's, um, you want to understand it in Freudian uh, psychology. He thinks about this more as psychoanalytical. You're coming in to know yourself, psychoanalytical. When you come into the transcendent state from Maharishi's perspective, you're taking the psychoanalytical portion and you're integrating into the wholeness portion. So you're beginning to see the essence of what the identity is from the pure unified field of consciousness and growing into how what your identity is becoming is based on what your dharma and what your purpose is. And that is what takes you into the higher states of your being. It's the psychoanalytical with the beautiful marriage of the transcendental, taking you into transcendental consciousness and giving you the opportunity to grow into the full essence of yourself, the sar, the essence. Now, we have a little bit, uh, I'd like to share this beautiful quote from the Bhagavad Gita, this verse, it's on chapter 2, verse 41, where the descendant of Kuras, which is one of the characters in the Bhagavad Gita, says that the intellect of those who are on this path is resolute, and their aim is one-pointed, but the intellect of those who are irresolute is many-branched which means we are able to see ourselves in our full wholeness of the pure potentiality of who we truly are. This quote says, and this comes from Swami Mukundananda, who does a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, and it's a beautiful way of expressing the totality of what we're talking about today. And that way I won't keep you for too long this morning, because I know many of you have lots of things to do, but attachment is a function of the mind. Its manifestation is that the mind repeatedly runs towards the object of its attachment. So remember what we talked about, that's where that rajas and that devesha come in, which could be persons, sensual objects, prestige, bodily comforts, situations, and so on. 
So if thoughts of some person or object repeatedly come to the mind, it is a possibility or a possible indication of the mind being attached to it, rajas and devesha. Furthermore, within our body is the subtle antakaran, which is the subtle ego. It is the subtle ego, which happens to be with the big S. Oh, yes, so good. He is, he's, an ama- he's amazing, I know, right? He's amazing. And um, this subtle ego, it comes with the big S. This is our wholeness. And in the subtle machine, the intellect, this is where we overcome it now. The intellect is superior to the mind. The intellect, this is our higher state of consciousness, is superior to the surface level mind. It makes decisions. This would be now the intellect level. It makes decisions while the mind creates the desires. And then here comes the rajas, creates desires and gets attached to the object of affection as determined by the intellect. So this is taking all the four pillars and putting it into its wholeness. For instance, the intellect decides that money is the source of happiness. The mind hankers for the wealth. If the intellect decides that prestige is the most important thing in life, then the mind will continue to crave the reputation of fame. In other words, the mind develops the desires in accordance with the knowledge of the intellect. So how does one break free from those patterns? It's by coming into the totality of oneself that we break free from the attachment, the rajas, the devesha, the aversion. We break free from the fear of dying to those objects referrals. And it gives us the power to overcome the small ego. So we come into the big self while also overcoming the ignorance of the mind, the pragya aparad. So I will leave you with that today and I will be putting this blog together this afternoon and sharing it with everybody as well as on our newsletter that I love to um, send out every week and share with you more information that's going on in our world of the Jai Bhakti Yoga. And for everyone that has any questions, just send me an email and I'm happy to uh, talk about it on our next podcast and broadcast live. So Thank you all so much. Thank you, Lotus Mudra. Thank you so much, Wilkie and Stefan, Julia, and everyone for joining today. And I will see you all next week. My heart to yours. Namaste and much love. Stay healthy, my friends. Bye. Thank you all so much for participating in today's wonderful podcast. As always, it's such a joy and an honor to share in the space with all of you and hold the space together as a collective. I invite you to support my life's work on Teachable. For those of you that would like continuing education units, Teachable will be the go-to for your membership. I'm looking forward to growing together and meeting you all. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram and introduce yourself. I would love to follow you back and subscribe to our YouTube channel for free classes that are posted weekly. Looking forward to our next chat together and I'll see you online, in person, in an immersion or on this podcast. See you soon. From my heart to yours, much love and namaste.